Welcome to Pierce the Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 175. No. No. 176. I don't think so. Is it 176? 177? No, we're thrown off because we're doing this interview early. Yeah, we're recording a little early on this one. Because this is episode 177. 177. Right. We we need to have one of those uh, like OSHA things in the background where it's like (laughs) seven episodes without Orlando messing up the the episode number. Hey, I didn't mess up last time, but that's because we started off fresh after I messed up. So, hey, but I'm excited about this one. Yeah, this is going to be a great episode. And this is why. So usually this individual is always interviewing other people. And it's usually, it's about what other people are doing. And I, I haven't seen too much about his own process. Now he does talk about what he does, but I will say he is very knowledgeable on, on eBay and multiple platforms, but also from the, I would say the garage sale sellers like us mm-hmm. to the top tier multi-million dollar sellers. And so I think this episode is going to have a ton of knowledge and a ton of value for a lot of people. So should I just introduce it? All right. So I'd like to introduce Chris Daily Refinement. Tell us a little bit about who you are, where people can find you and what you're about. Mike and Orlando, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor. I love you guys. Um, so for those of you that don't know me, I've been running an online store for three years now. Um, I originally, I started with the uh, goal of doing 10,000 items. I kind of still have the same goal now, but I don't want 10,000 unique items. Mm. Uh, I still want that size of a store, but I want less but better items, ideally. So this has been great. I learned a lot about online business. I learned about YouTubing, podcasting. I think when you start to go online and you have platforms look for the traffic for you, like on eBay or Poshmark or Amazon, they bring you the customers, you bring the stuff. Once I started learning about this, it's been really cool understanding how all of these look like. For example, I look at this podcast kind of like a skew. Mm. You know, we're trying to bring the best value to customers, give them the best features so that they'll hopefully buy it again next week. So this is exactly how I just love looking at all these different ways of making money. And we have met so many cool people along the way. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, obviously it sounds like you're you're pretty like business focused. Like you've got a business mind. You like to think about, you know, profits and and I'm I'm assuming numbers and all of those things and the philosophy. Oh, he definitely likes business. numbers. Um, so what got you into this? Like w- was it just one day you're like, hey, I'm gonna resell or I'm gonna start doing this thing? Or like what what led it? What was your journey up to this point? So this is this is awesome. I used to work for Lexus um and I was there, I was an internet car salesperson. So originally I moved from Manhattan to California for a girl and immediately didn't work. And so I'm, I'm here day two, day one, we came over and decided, uh, this is, this is great as friends, but we don't want to live with each other oh. after only one day of wow. living with each other. Wow. Um, so at the time I had an online eBay store selling sneakers. I sold every single sneaker and then moved here with nothing. Mm. Um, so I got here day one, we decided, okay, this is not going to work out. I need a job. So I applied at Lexus as their eBay seller for cars. Huh. So I thought this would be interesting. Um, and I was selling cars for them, but the, only the cars that did well were unique or interesting or really low miles. They have to be really exceptional. It can't just be a normal car that would sell better, like on Craigslist or auto trader or cars.com. So I was in the eBay department and I decided, you know what? I want to try selling cars on the internet. That's the new jam. So that transition happened. So I got to be part of the internet sales team, which was awesome. And then my boss said, uh, I don't want you to work here. It's golden handcuffs. You need to go out there on your own. 
you need to do something. So I started a Facebook ads company. So he said, you start a company, I'll finance it, we'll split it 50-50. I said, sure, let's just try it. And then I decided right away that he didn't know anything about online business. So I said, uh, we can't be partners because you're not helping at all. And he said, great. So he gave me the other half of the company, which was worth nothing because I didn't really <laughs> get it. So Facebook ads was awesome. It was a subscription-based service. I was charging businesses to run their social media. Pretty straightforward. Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook. I had 22 companies paying $300 to $1,000 a month. Wow. Um, my problem was it's difficult to convert social media likes into actual money. So I kept losing contracts. People would churn over because they didn't get enough bang for buck. Mm. So I was thinking, okay, I like e-commerce, but cars are too expensive, right? I need to look for something cheaper. This is when Pokemon Go oh, wow. blew up. So I'm here in California. I'm like, this is like my dream. I can sell Pokemon accounts and, and make a living. Nice. So I'm in, I'm in the Bay Area where there's water Pokemon. So I was like literally on eBay selling water Pokemon for 50 bucks or a hundred bucks. And I would go out to the pier and catch them for people on their oh, account. No. Oh. Um, I've never heard this story, Chris. Is this an exclusive? Yeah. Are you giving us an exclusive? I thought this was like the dream. So then <laughs> eBay reached out and said, you can't sell. This is not a thing. You can't sell this. <laughs> this is not, um, you need to sell physical products. There's not digital stuff on this platform. So I said, okay. I Googled eBay, rake and profit showed up. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the thrift store. I didn't even know that you could sell. This is how naive I was in 2017. I didn't know that you could sell used items on eBay. Wow. That's normal. I, didn't know that. I thought you could only sell new or collectible. Huh? So I didn't know this whole used thing existed. I was just like, Whoa, okay. You can go to the thrift store. So I bought everything, puzzles, uh, every single used electronic because I saw Craigslist Hunter flipping vintage stuff. Um, I would watch a YouTube video, then go do it. Watch a YouTube video, then go do it. And then Reezy Resells, I met up with him and he was like, you should also start a YouTube channel. So I was like, okay, I'll do everything. And realized now I would never give somebody that advice. Right. I'm like, don't try everything because it's going to take way longer than if you just do one at a time. Mm. Um, but it was interesting. I learned a lot from Reezy. When I heard about thrifting, um, I Googled thrifting. All these different thrifting websites came up and I met everyone. I huh. met Steve Rakin in person. I flew out to a whole bunch of all these people just to see what how they do it. So then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm digging this. But I still had this sort of scatterbrained because um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I was literally selling all kinds of things. Um, and then I would say maybe two years ago, once I started the YouTube channel, all these wholesalers reached out to me. So I sort of switched gears. I was doing thrifting, garage selling. I switched gears to wholesale liquidation, uh, which is more boring, but more stable. And, you know, it's been interesting. I've learned all of it. And then just, just two days ago, I spent six hours garage selling. So it's kind of like, I'm still doing a little bit of everything, but I have a a more focused goal now than before. Huh. Wow. Can I, can I That's rewind a little bit? I have a question about Facebook ads. Can I ask that even though? Yeah, this, all right. So I'm sure there's going to be an ad on our YouTube just because we mentioned Facebook ads and it's going to show yeah. this guy and it's like, Hey, you know, you've seen that commercial. There's that one commercial where the guy's like, you know how much money I made on drop shipping? Zero. But this is how I made my money. And he's like, you can connect businesses through ads and da da da. So, 
are they selling a dream or is, is it just a major hustle and it was too much? So Facebook ads are awesome because you can actually target specifically who you're looking for. Okay. So as an example, I was working for a Corvette dealership. They're really high-end Corvettes. They can sell anywhere, eBay, Auto Trader. When you have a really good product that can sell on any platform, including a car, that's something really important to understand. Now, Facebook ads is really cool because just look at, e at Facebook like a platform like eBay. They will tell you where their customers are and you can spend money up front. So I look at it like this. You spend your final value fee on eBay up front. I'm sorry, on Facebook. On Facebook, you spend the final value fee first. Okay. So you have to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you don't get the conversion. So for example, if I'm selling a Corvette, I'm looking for 50 to 70-year-old guy, usually midlife crisis. <laughs> They're looking for different kinds of things, right? It's usually not a young guy car. Usually. And usually it's a male demographic that buys a specific car. So you can target who you're looking for on the Facebook ad and it will drive on that person's newsfeed. It'll enter in. Hey, if you've driven the new Corvette, come on in. That's how the Facebook ads work. Now, you want to pick something cheaper than a car because that's really hard to convert from want to test drive a Corvette to someone spending 80 grand. It's totally a long term thing. Hmm. So, when I got those customers, they get it. They're like, we need to hit this guy with a Corvette commercial every day for 18 months before he comes in here. Mm. You got to plant the seed and get this guy into it. Versus, let's say you're selling fidget spinners. That demographic is different. That demographic is 6 to 20, or maybe even older people if they think it's fun. You pick that demographic, you shoot it in. If you place a correct Facebook ad, it can convert immediately. So... It's, it is the same thing as pay-per-click. It's the same thing as promoted listings to a certain degree on eBay. And it's the same thing as a bot on Poshmark. Mm. You're essentially buying traffic to go to your specific listing. So Facebook ads is not snake oil. In fact, Facebook Marketplace is huge. Facebook has the most people on all day. I think it's the number one website for people, how much time people spend on. So if you are good at Facebook ads... What I would recommend is you start drop shipping popular products. So right, if I was doing Facebook ads right now during the, during this situation, I would be doing Facebook ads for beard trimmers, um, hair products because people are cutting their own hair right now. I would be doing gardening stuff that people are doing right now. I would run those ads because they're already looking for that, and that's something that I I learned Facebook ads by selling something that's really hard to sell. And I would never recommend somebody start Facebook ads for cars. It's too expensive. I would say start with something that sells really quickly, like wallets or um, water bottles. You can get an affiliate link commission. So I was looking at Yeti water bottles. This is so insane. Almost every single kind of Yeti water bottle sells a million dollars a month, wow. which is that, that's insane, right? right? Every single size, color, variation, all of them sell millions of dollars worth a month. It's ridiculous. Wow. I would run ads like, hey, I reviewed every single Yeti water bottle. Check it out. That's how I would post it. And that's probably going to work if I pick people who are outdoorsy or like to exercise or those are the right people who just sell that water bottle to. And you could start getting... Because hiking is huge right now. So Facebook ads is is really like... 
that's why I get in trouble when I say eBay is easy because eBay gives you the traffic. Mm-hmm. On Facebook ads, you need to go find those people. But Facebook is insane because it can give you exactly who you think will buy it. Wow. Well, that's pretty interesting. So, I mean, obviously, it seems like a big part of being successful in that, just like probably any aspect of reselling or just, you know, capitalism in general is understanding the market and then the demographics, right? So you're you're targeting specific demographics based off of uh, the research. Yeah. So I'm assuming you're the one doing the research, figuring out, okay, which demographic should I be targeting for this? And then are you making the advertisements? Are you making videos or how does that work? Yeah, so the best ad is the same thing for a podcast, a YouTube or a commercial. It's shareable content. If you could somehow make an ad that educates the buyer on improving their life, on Facebook, you can get lucky. Uh, what happens is if you can make an ad that people share, mm. then they're sharing it for free and you get all the conversion for free. So the best thing, if I was going for water bottles, I would say, um, I this is how I would approach it. I reviewed the top 100 water bottles. This is what I found out. That's like a really clickbaity thing that makes sense to me because I want to know what happened after you reviewed 100 water bottles. What did you find out? And then when they go to the article, if it's not clickbait, I literally drink water out of all 100 of them, then it would be entertaining. And I might share with my friend, look at this guy wasted two days (laughs) drinking different water bottles. It's actually interesting, right? That's how you would make a Facebook ad work because you've already picked one product to sell. So it's like, instead of spending all your time sourcing, you spend all your time optimizing a listing. You might spend $1,500 on one post for one product, really getting it down. Mm. Versus if you go thrifting, you could spend $1,500 on 500 different $3 items. So I think that Facebook ads taught me so much about how e-commerce works, but I didn't really, really, really learn um, how eBay worked until I started studying YouTube. Interesting. Now I really do YouTube. And I'm sorry, now I really understand how eBay works. Mm. So it's interesting you bring this up. I mean, this podcast is going in a direction I didn't even think it was going to (laughs) go. But uh, so, you know, eBay lately has been doing this, uh, I forget what it's called, but it's where they, you use their links, right? To drive traffic to your store right? Yep. Through Facebook ads or whatever it is. So do you see that as necessary or do you think eBay does enough? Because I'm sure that question is okay. going to come up when people listen to this episode. This is a really good question. Okay. So let me ask you guys, are there, do you get, where do you guys find your inventory? Garage sales, yeah. stores. Yeah. Mostly garage sales, thrift stores, occasionally uh, retail stores, local bulk buys, yeah. stuff like that. Do you ever go to a thrift store because it has better deals than other ones? Every once in a while. Yeah, I would say pretty pretty often. So I would say for me, I lean towards ones where I think I can make more money. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have a list of the ones in my area and I go to the ones that I think I'm going to make more money. This is how eBay works. They send traffic that they have to who they think is going to actually buy it. So eBay does actually favor stores that do well. And if your store is not doing well, it's the opposite direction. They actually, they actually recommend you less. Mm -hmm. If people are going to your store and not actually buying anything, that means you're not doing a good job of delivering the customer what they want. So that click through rate is really important, but a lot of people don't talk about that. 
on YouTube, including myself. I don't, I really should tell people the click through rate is really one of the most important numbers. If but you have, you have crystal, you, I, I'll tell you something you said at one time, you said sell through rate is key. Conversion is key. And I forget what episode it was. I don't know. You have, you release like every day, but I remember when you said that I said, I'm going to try this. And I, I did. I, and I pretty much accepted every single offer I got, even if I was only going to make two or three bucks, I'm like, it's going to convert. And sure enough, I think this is, if, if there's anything anybody gets from this episode that's doing eBay, I think that's the golden ticket. Would you, would you agree? Yes, to a degree. <laughs> okay. All right. Because yes, conversion means Orlando store is awesome. As an eBay, I'm like sending everyone to Orlando store because it's converting. Boom. I send a hundred people over, four people buy something. Here's another 400 people. So 16 people can convert. But you also have to make sure your, your margin is right. So oh, it has yeah, to be true, the right profit. But you can, you can game this in a sense that you could have some items sell a few times at break even or just a couple bucks profit to, to get that velocity going. And because I don't, I don't know what I'm going to find at the thrift stores that I usually find good stuff at. That doesn't mean I, I don't go though. Mm. So if you have a certain conversion rate, eBay does you don't need to guarantee eBay a sale. They're still going to give you that customer hoping that you do have stuff in your store that they want to buy. Hmm. No, I mean, I, honestly, I think that's probably the best uh, explanation I've, I've heard for uh, a lot of the the conspiracies that are out there as far as like the algorithm and how it works. And and, and you're, you've stated it in a way that makes sense as far as from a financial perspective, because eBay is a business, they're in it to make money. And it makes sense that if if they're obviously paying for the advertisement, right? Like they're spending some money to get yeah. ads out onto people's Instagram and Facebook and whatever. And if those aren't yeah. converting to, to, to sales, then eBay is wasting money. So yeah, that's, that's, that's genius. That makes sense. Um, so it seems like a lot of what you've learned, I mean, you're clearly a smart guy. We've been on your show. You're, you're articulate. You're obviously well-read. You, you, you know how to like think about things deeply. Um, but what I find um, interesting is you've mentioned YouTube a lot as like your source of information on all of these things that you're learning, whether it's, you know, <laughs> eBay or, or, even learning how to do more YouTube. So has YouTube been like one of your primary sources of education as far as how to do business? Yes. Nothing has taught me more about business than how YouTube works. And this is the, the statistics on eBay are crazy. 90% of all eBay traffic, I'm sorry, 90% of all YouTube traffic goes to 3% of channels. It's the same for podcasts. Okay. Hmm. Which is staggering. There's like a million podcasts but 90% of people listen to like 200 of them. Mm. It's like crazy how many people have the 13 podcasts that they listen to forever. They don't, they don't go in there and, and reorganize and they just listen to the same people for a decade. It's insane. So once I figured out, okay, these are skews. When I learned that a video is a skew, that totally blew my mind. I now understand why we need a good title why we need a good photograph. What we want is people to stay on the listing as long as possible. Like, oh, good picture, click. Oh, good description, scroll. Okay, good shipping policy, scroll, buy. Like mm. you need to keep them on that thing and not let them out of the store because they're there already. They're ready there. And so that made me think, okay, wow, this is very different. This made me now, now I edit all my photos instead of just the first photo. Because huh. I want them to see the first photo, scroll to the second photo, scroll all the way to the end. Because I want to have that premium time on my listing, 
which is not a metric on eBay. They don't tell you how long people look at your listing before they click off. Interesting. Now they That's do. What? Now there is a heavy browsing thing with the send offers where if somebody is heavy browsing, I think it was like three times within 15 minutes, then it becomes a send offer eligible item. So right. maybe, it does, maybe, I mean, there is value too. I, I haven't even thought about that because somebody the other day had DM me and said, Hey, Orlando, why do you use the white removal, the background on all your pictures? And I'm like, well, because it's important. Like if I do the first picture and the rest look terrible, they're going to, yep. they're going to lose trust in what I'm trying to sell them. So interesting. All right. That's right. So, so my guess is on our conversation here is then you're, you probably run more of a fast nickel kind of store. Am I right about that? Or are you long to on some items? Both. Okay. So, um, now that I'm purchasing more bulk lots, there's not, there's no such thing really as fast nickel when you, I don't know what it is. <laughs> The only way to do fast nickels when you know what it is. Okay. Okay. If, if something random is showing up in my door, I don't, I don't know what it is. So when it comes to, um, this is a really good question because I feel like it's two different animals. When you're looking for fast nickel, you kind of need to know exactly what it is. Like if you were selling Nintendo switch right now, you wouldn't be able to keep them in stock. They're selling for double retail. Everybody wants one. They sell pretty much the same day or maybe even the same hour that you post them. People want it. That's fast nickel. So for me, if I was doing that, I would get as much money as I can, literally not do anything else and just look for Switch all day. Hmm. And you can make a ton of money buying for 500, selling for 550, buying for 600, selling for 625, but you would need to know what today's market is on the Switch. Slow slow dime though is what, I'm what you're looking at right now, which is all the stuff that I bought for super cheap. And I'm okay for just waiting until it actually sells. And I'm in this weird thing right now where all of my eBay money is coming in and I'm just using 100% of it to buy more inventory. And I, and I now have an East Coast location. So I have a store in North Carolina and a store here. The store in, on the East Coast looks exactly like this store. So this is um, blowing my mind because I have no intention of ever using this money. Mm. I'm just thinking of, can I just keep reinvesting? I don't, you know, I have no plan of taking it out. I'm a hundred percent long tail. I'm so bought in the eBay right now. I'm not even really cross-listing. Nice. Wow. Okay. That was one really of my questions. Well. So explain to me why not cross-listing. Okay. I have my theories, but I want to, I want to hear from you. So this is why. Um, if I want to cross-list, I can quickly, probably like, 30 items an hour. If I really wanted to just cross list from my listings to another platform, from my experience, it costs about 40, 40 to 50 cents to cross list on the one platform. And it costs about 10 to 20 cents of your time to delist it. When it sells on one platform, you got to go back and remove it. Wow. You There's got it down to, to change. Like I, I, I want to pause there because that's something that people don't think about. Like I never think about how much money I'm losing when I'm having to go log in to Poshmark or Mercari and having to delist. Yeah. Now I still cross post. I think there's some value to it, but that's important. That is thanks for bringing that up. Anyways, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, no, that, that's a great point because I look at everything like money. Cross listing for me costs fifty five cents, forty five cents to cross list on a different platform, ten cents to delist it, and that's if somebody else does it. If I had to do it, it's way more expensive than that part. So I decided, okay, that 
55 cents, I would rather lower my price on eBay by 55 cents than cross list to get that sale on a different platform. Plus, I think that it's safe to say for any anything that the platform favors the people who are better. I want to be the thrift store where people think they're going to get a good deal. Mm. So I'd rather give people a good deal on the site than use promoted listings and cross list. If the promoted listings rate on a $100 item is 10%, I'd rather list it at $90 with no promoted listings to try to get the best <laughs> deal to the customer. That's just a thought. That's how I'm approaching it right now. I want to just be the best deal on eBay. If I have, if for some reason my eBay store is the velocity is not fast enough, then I will cross list. But I just feel like it's going to sell anyway. I don't need that extra headache. Oh, that's awesome. Well, so with multiple locations, obviously West Coast, East Coast, I'm assuming yeah. you've got either multiple employees or, you know, people, virtual assistants you're having do these things for you. So um, what is what does a day in your life look like? Are you, how, how, are you spending time going out and sourcing for items? Are you listing items? Um, are you are you kind of just managing that and, and delegating that out to other people? What does that look like? Okay. So my day, I wake up around 530, um, make a cup of coffee. Then around six o'clock, I have a mastermind that runs every day. So Monday through Friday, sometimes I do the weekends. In the morning is just all other resellers talking about what they're working on. So from six to seven, I think about what do I want to work on today? And I listen to what other people are working on. And if you guys, you guys are welcome to join anytime. So then at seven till nine, I make a YouTube video and I was posting them as podcasts, but run out of time, ran out of time. But the, um, I'm trying to make an informational thing that's interesting between seven and nine AM. Then from nine till two, I'm looking for deals. <clears throat> so either liquidation or interviewing people or whatever. Around two o'clock, I have lunch. Then after that, I usually do more research on deals from maybe like three till about four. And then from four to five, I do shipping here in this location. And then, so I do shipping at the very end of the day. And then on the way home, I drop off the packages in the post office and it's in between us. Or my daily pickup is at 11 a.m. So in the event, I don't want to do that. Like on Mondays, I don't do that because the shipping is too heavy. I just schedule the pickup and they'll come. But the location on the East Coast is twice as big as the one here. So I, I am... Over there, it works better when I think it works better because I'm not there, honestly. <laughs> I, I get in the way of people getting stuff done because I always am, am changing things and that's not required. So what, what does that look like, though? So my question is, all right, so you hired, obviously, people that you trust and they're on the East Coast. And so I, you're, it seems to me you spend a large amount of time just sourcing. Like the entire time, the entire time. So the rest of the time, so you have individuals that list for you and you have individuals that pull and ship for you. Is that correct? And I can be even more specific. Okay. I'm actually not looking, I'm not sourcing. I'm actually networking. I'm looking for people to source for me. I don't even want to look through the looking through manifest to me feels like being an accountant. (laughs) I don't don't want to be an accountant. I don't want to look for, you know, $2 profit. I just, I don't care. I want somebody else to do that. Hmm. Okay. No, I'm just trying to figure this out. So 
So basically, I'm just so it's a complete operation that run on, runs on its own. So it seems, you know, I'm thinking about this is like higher level. This is, you know, you ha- do you must have some kind of orientation. You must have some kind of like workbooks or or something to the effect that guides that so individuals know what to do on the East Coast, right? Because you hire them, you're not always available. So how do you make sure that all your processes are like, you know, running the way you want them to run? I think he's okay, trying to grab sorry. something here. But I just wanted to point out. So every oh. part, I, I think there's eight parts of reselling. So this is like finding an item, listing it, prepping it, grading it, photographing it. I have all eight of those processes written out. Mm. So for those that are listening right now, I just wrote down on a legal pad. Legal pads are free. Just write down what you're doing. I'm sorry, they're not free, like a dollar. <laughs> so buy a, a notebook, write down what you do from A to Z. Then have somebody that has no idea what reselling is, try and do that. Okay. If you do it to the point where someone that has no idea what this is can do it, then your process is done. And at that point, you can have somebody else do it. So what I'm doing now is I'm actually offering the people that work for me a $5 Starbucks card if they can think of an improvement to the system. Nice. So that way, they're making it even better, even cleaner. That way I don't have to, um, well, I mean, I do do, occasionally I do list myself because I'm curious what they, if what they told me is true. Mm. Cause they'll be like, Hey, instead of doing it that way, let's do it this way. So then I'll actually try to do it here. Um, and I want to, now I'm kind of going back to my roots because I'm considering listing 20 items a day, um, five days a week, just as an experiment to let people know, like, this is, this is totally doable, but you have to get into a rhythm. Mm. Listing 20 items a day is very much habitual. If you can figure out how to fit it into your day before work, after work, usually if you have kids, you have to do it when they're asleep. I don't, I get the take of photos all at one time and then list as you can through the day, but that, that would drive me crazy because I, I would want to be present with my kids. Mm. So I'd want to just do it where, you know, there's a gentleman in my group that wakes up at three in the morning, wow. completes his 15 listings for the day. That's it. There is no other, there is no, as soon as his family, they don't even know he has an eBay business yeah. it's done before <laughs> they even wake up. So that way you don't have to, to be distracted. I find that it's sorry about the alarm in my, my uh, building. It's okay. It's so distracting changing <laughs> gears that I can't do that. Mm. I could just do one thing at a time. Otherwise it just gets too intense. So for me, I'm thinking 20 listings a day is the high end for a full-time person. hundred listings a week is, is plenty. Mm. Um, then you got to make sure that that is in a two hour window, because I think that for mental health, you should not be listing more than two hours a day Mm. unless you don't like yourself. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code 
All in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 25. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code purehustle25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, You're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, And your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Painful. It's painful to list more than two hours a day. Well, Chris, okay, so let, let's land there a little bit because I, I there, you had one episode where you talked about you find that a lot of resellers hate that they're resellers, right? And we'll, and in your experience, based on your multiple conversations with a lot of people, w- is that the main reason? Is that they work themselves to be miserable or is there more to it? So um, in reselling, I feel like there's these eight things that we all have to do. On top of that, we also have to make sure we have enough money for our bills. We have to, if you have people helping you, you've got to make sure they're paid. You've got to do all the books. You've got to pay taxes. There's so much to it beyond just this part. When you, like, I heard something the other day that blew my mind, which was, I'm an entrepreneur, so my kids don't have to be. <laughs> because being an entrepreneur is hard. There's a, like a lot to it. Mm. Getting a nine to five is easier. I had way more free time when, when I had a nine to five, I made, I made a s- similar amounts of money. I, I was done with work when I was done for work. I actually I paid vacation. Now, if I take a vacation, the business takes a vacation, mm-hmm. thinking of ways to avoid that. And when I heard that, it's the opposite. It's almost like people think that the highest level of making it is being an entrepreneur and doing it on your own. I'm not, you guys put is an interview question potentially that what would I do if I wasn't reselling? I think about that almost every day. Like, what would I do if I wasn't reselling? And it would be, I would be working on a team. I would not be, I would not be the leader actually in a perfect scenario. 
Interesting. No, I, I've heard you say that. I mean, I've heard you say that multiple times that reselling isn't for everyone. And I, I agree with that. I, I think I think there's this misnomer out there that like it's we've talked about it before that it's it's is it simple, but it's not easy. Right. 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 Yep. And the yep. fact that, yeah, it's it's very simple to figure it out. But as far as everything that's side to, especially when you go full time, full time is entirely different than the side hustle. I, I get messages all the time like Orlando, when's the right time? And I always push him to one of our episodes where I talk about it because full time is really intense. Now, I will disagree. I'll push back a little bit. I do have more time now. But then again, I was a school administrator, so I was working obnoxious hours all the time. But there is my worlds are mixed. I, I can't. I'm not that 3 a.m. guy. I, that's just not me. I just can't. I just can't do it. Now, my my question to you is: Have you found, going back to the original question, that most people that don't cut into it don't make it into reselling or give up or or they're done with their stores or they're like I can't do this anymore? It's because they haven't set up a process or they don't know the limits. What, what do you think it is? What do you, what do you think causes people to give up? Okay. I think I know. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's pretty easy to find a few things here and there and make, make some extra money. Mm. After you have some practice and you understand photos and titles, you can find a few things each week and flip them and make money. The problem is once you start getting the, a larger, you want to find a larger quantity, you can't just do your little route because you need to find more stuff. Right. So this is the biggest mistake. If I put twice as much effort in, I'll make twice as much money. That's mm. not true. That is, because, uh, you, yeah. because you run out of stuff in your immediate area, and now you need to do something different. So to, to give you guys an idea, I got to 4,000 items with one employee. When I added a second full-time employee, I only got to 5,000 items. Oh. I barely increased. I, I was thinking, oh yeah, 4,000 every time I add somebody. That's <laughs> not how it works. Lots because you run out of things right? around you, mind to go to a different area. I always thought it was amazing that Reezy Resells talks about the fact that he can't grow his business because he's tapped out the books in our area. Mm. And he would have to go to a different area and find people that he trusts again in that area to start over again. And it's different. It's not, it's not linear. Reselling is like this crazy stepping. Like you will hire someone new and not make any more money, but hire two more people and make more money. Right. It's like a funky... So most people, when they realize, oh, wow, I put twice as much effort in and didn't make twice as much money, they get discouraged. So I want to let people know, don't give up because sometimes three people is five times as much money, but two people is the same money. Mm. This depends on how you source. The only way that it would be exactly the same is you go to the thrift store and you normally find two things. And now all of a sudden you go to the thrift store and you find four things. Right. But I, that has never been my experience doing this. You have no idea what you're going to get. Yeah. No, I mean, that, I think that's key just to give people perspective of what it takes to scale. Because I think there is that that misconception that, you know, double your time, you'll double your your income. And, and it isn't yeah. quite as cut and dry, right? It's not a perfectly linear, like you were saying, you got the law of diminishing returns. And I like too that you mentioned uh, kind of like regions, right? So you have a region, you can kind of tap out that region and it's kind of like, you know, I, I've watched Starbucks build, build a, a Starbucks on the, the across the street from another Starbucks. Right. And it's like, yeah. well, we don't want people to have to U-turn to get to our Starbucks. Well, you can only put so many Starbucks on a, on a street before 
that Starbucks, each one will be making less and less profit. And you kind of got to think of, you know, your business as a whole like that. And I, I think that's great that you mentioned that. I think it does depend though on your region. You know what I mean? Like I, I, San Diego, to me, it's limitless right now. Like there, you can, if you want to, like you can continue. And, and, he, and we talked about even before the podcast, like on Instagram, once you gain a certain following, you get a lot of offers sent at you. Right. And then you have to kind of say, no, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. So there is, but the, the key thing is, I, I don't know if the key thing is, but what I'm, what the takeaway I'm getting, Chris, from what you're saying is, is that your, your expectations have to be a real expectation or you'll end up miserable. Is that where we're at here? Yeah, that's where we're at. The Starbucks analogy is on point because of the, um, okay. So let's say, for example, you know, that for me, if I go to a thrift store, I'm only expecting to find two things. So two things that make $20 profit or more is my goal when I walk into a thrift store. So when I think of the region thing, I'm thinking, okay. Hmm. Yes. Okay. I, I, I know what I'm thinking. This is the, the I'm going to call it the Hustlebee method. Hustlebee and Glenn Hustler Hacks stayed with me for a couple of days and I watched them. I don't have the patience that they do. Mm. We went to nine stores in a row where we found nothing. And mm. I was like, we just wasted three people's time at nine stores. And we're this is like thousands of dollars of time gone. And we're never going to get back again. Mm -hmm. But they said, no, watch. At the end of the day, we will hit our quota. We have 19 stores set up today. It's just going to mathematically happen. But huh. it won't happen again tomorrow. We won't be able to do this region again. Mm. It's done. It's tapped out. Can't do it two days in a row. And it, just like they said, at the end of the day, they found the, the number of shoes that they were looking for. Um, but it wasn't. it was like store number 13 had 10. And that's how it all evened out. Because after nine, I was like, I'm going home. Wow. You guys have yeah. like, this is, this is cute, but I'll, I'll have dinner with you guys. I'm not going to, because it's crazy. We need to be, we need to split up or something. Yeah. No, with retail but, arbitrage, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Retail arbitrage is a bit of a grind, but it's just like the, the regions don't. So instead of saying, oh, this is, I'm sorry, this is the point I was trying to get to. If there's only two items per thrift store, you can't squeeze more items out of that because that's just the average for that store. You have to go to more stores. And that's the way that I was thinking about that Starbucks method. When Starbucks wants to increase their revenue, they don't go to the manager and grind them. Like you need to sell four more lattes every hour. They don't do that. They open another store. Right. That's yeah. how they increase their revenue because they don't, a neighborhood can only sell so many copies. You can't just like force everyone to also buy a muffin. You're going to piss off all the people that go there. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That's good. I think people are trying to squeeze more money out of their store when that's not really how it works. It needs to grow. That's nice. No, I, I think that's, I think that's genius. I think that's good for just our listeners to kind of get the idea of like, what does it actually take? What's realistic? And then kind of even starting to aim towards what it would take to scale, because I think there's a lot of fear in that. And I think rightfully so. I think anytime you make a big business move, you got to recognize, like you said, hiring somebody might not mean any more money. And, you know, it might take time before that actually actualizes into profit. Um, mm -hmm. So one thing that I'm getting from you, and you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, and, and you've kind of talked about it throughout, is actually going and meeting these people who are successful, following what they were doing, being willing mm -hmm. to fly places. And I know like when we were at eBay Open, 
um, last year when, or the last time they had eBay open, I noticed you were like pulling people, you know, aside and doing like interviews with people. And what I've noticed from you is you're big on networking. Like you will go, you've got your mastermind, you network with people. Uh, and I'm a fairly introverted person and networking is, is something that I've been growing in and trying to do better at, uh, but it's not like a natural strength of mine. So what are some tips that you have for uh, some of our listeners who, you know, maybe feel like they've kind of reached a plateau. They don't know how to go any further, but they're also not sure what to do with networking. What does that look like? What are some steps that they should take to expand their business through networking? This is so interesting. And it's going to sound a little weird the way I'm looking at it now, but I'm even looking at people like skews now. <laughs> okay. So when I'm meeting somebody, I want to know like, okay, what are you about? What are features that you have? What are your benefits? Like I'm looking at somebody like, what do they want? What do they have? What do they offer? And then for me, what I'm trying to do is add to that. Mm. So I used to not be like this. It's been a recent change where now when I meet people, I think, what's the most I can do for this person? Mm. Like somebody may ask me a question like, hey, I'm, uh, I just started an S Corp today and um, whatever. Instead of saying, you don't need a company to start this, I might spend 10 minutes asking them, why did you start an S Corp? Who told you that? What's what stage in your process are you? What are you working to get a full idea of the person? I'm doing more product research on each person. And that's been my networking idea now. So I'm really looking at everyone. How can I make your product better? What's missing from your whatever you're offering? And for me, I'm not even thinking about what I need. Hmm. If I need something, I can at the end of the conversation of figuring out what they need, I can say, I'm also looking for this if I, if I even need that. Mm. But just trying to figure out how to help people has made my network awesome recently. People have been asking me, because it's the law of reciprocation. If I try to make your guys' lives the best that I can, it's natural to want to do the same for me. So I'm just looking at it that way, and it's been awesome. And my mastermind... The, the, my best videos, my best content comes after I ask somebody 18 questions to figure out what it is that they're working on and they can be really clear with what they're looking for. And that makes it really easy. It's really easy to give somebody directions if they know where they're going. Mm -hmm. No, it's true. It's very true. I mean, all, all the time, it's kind of, you learn, I mean, eBay opens a perfect example. Like you go and yeah, yep. unfortunately we don't have one anytime soon. We should yep. if eBay if you're listening, but yep. the, the idea is, yeah, you're the, the key thing is when you're sitting with people at eBay open, or even if you go to the eBay upfront or whatever meetup you go to, yep. it, it's first, yeah, definitely providing value. And in that conversation, the value comes through and then you eventually make that connection. And I, even when we had our own Pure podcast meetup here, we had like 40 or 50 people and we gained so much knowledge and all we did is we were just setting it up. Right. Yep. But instead we walked out of there way, way better than I think a lot of the people that showed up because we were able to learn from so many people. So completely agree with you. I, I, I did eBay open wrong. Not, not, not sorry to cut you off. Yeah, it's fine. I did it wrong because when I was at eBay open, I, I didn't look at it like I do now. When I was at eBay open, I was actually trying to extract information. Mm. I was like, Hey, I know you give me your best tips and I'll give it to my audience. That's how I was approaching it. I'm not going to do that in the future because that's not, in my opinion, that's not how networking works. Mm. I should just be saying, what are you guys working on? What's new? 
what are you guys doing? What are you up to? That's how you truly network because then you can find out more about somebody. Mm-hmm. And what they're working on is probably the tip that you want anyway. Mm, interesting. Instead yeah. of saying, what are your best tips on reselling? And they give you some answer like list every day. Like that's that's important, but there's more to it than that, you know? Right. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, so I have a I have a practical question. So you're all in on eBay right right now. Yep. But it seems that you based on the networking and the I mean in 3 years you you've learned a ton. I mean, I've been reselling for about 8 and I I I feel like you have a greater knowledge about how I say I would say high-end scale you know, scalability takes place and all that best practices, but you know, you're not, you're not doing Amazon private label. You're not doing drop shipping. You're not doing Shopify, but it seems that you could do those. I don't know if you want to break down each one, but why not, Chris, why, why not do those things being that you know how to do those? That's a great question. So for me, I'm not into um, product creation. I would rather improve on the design. Also, um, I'm not, this is going to sound super weird to most people, but I'm not actually that interested in money. I'm more interested in how it works than making the most amount of money. And I've been down the entrepreneur road. While When when I think Shopify or Etsy and you're making your own craft, I think lonely, <laughs> 80 hour weeks, um, divorce. Like it's just so hard to get a, a product off the ground. People don't realize Creating something from nothing and bringing it all the way to the end usually means you're alone at the end. It's very hard to do that. It takes so much time. The only reason I say this, because you see on social media all the time, like, hey, I just went to Alibaba and then I found this product. I put my brand on it. And then, you know, I paid for my Facebook ads and look at all the money I brought in. Right. And that is that hooks. It hooks me every once in a while. It's like TikTok right now is the world of dropshipping and Shopify. Like that's all we talk about now. That's where Instagram was. I would say five years ago. Now that's That's right. It's all happening on TikTok. And you're saying it's not that easy. Let me back up for a second. Yeah. When I was, when I think Shopify and um, generally I think my own product, Okay. but that's not the new hot business. The new hot business is you find a generic product, you do a little bit of branding on it, and then you market it on all these different websites, TikTok, Instagram, et cetera. That doesn't interest me that much because I would rather sell things that are already popular. But I get it. I understand how Shopify and things work. For me, though, the interesting thing is connecting the dots with people more than just making a product rank. That to me is like people that do that are only interested in money. And those are like my least favorite people. <laughs> that, that's what it is. Like, you know, whenever I hear it's like, you know, I used to live in New York City. After college, I moved there. And I just met these people that only care about like numbers. And even here in the Bay Area, there's a lot of tech bros. And they just care about how do we scale? How do we grow? And it's just like, for what? There's a, the What I want is actually not that expensive. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that whole world is so weird. I don't know. That Shopify, dropshipping, ads... AliExpress, swimsuits during the summer, you know, turkey, t-shirts in November, <laughs> just, just chasing that trend. It's just like, ah, uh, it's not that interesting to me. Okay. Uh, no, it, it's good. It's good to hear because I've, I've always wondered that because it, I, sometimes I get tempted, right? You, yeah, cause it's a hustle. Reselling's a hustle, especially 
when you're trying yeah. to do, you know, vintage goods and you're trying to connect people with the right product. And, yep. you know, you, but at the same time, you also learn that money isn't everything. Cause you could, I, I, I truly believe once you get a handle on reselling, all it takes is learning couple skill sets of, you know, how to brand a product, how to use click, clickable ads, how to da 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 da. And once you get that rolling, I think yep. a lot of people could take off, but it's, it's tough to get there too. So, yeah. Well, like you said, you kind of, you kind of lose sight of the purpose, right? And if your purpose is, um, to have free time, family time, to have knowledge, to meet interesting people, all of those things, if that's higher up on your priority list, then I'm going to work an 80 hour week looking at numbers on a, a computer and basically becoming an accountant, like you said. I mean, any, you could do that. I mean, I, I've always believed that there's there's more money out there. Anybody can go get more money if they want to, but you're going to yep. give up something to get it. You're going to give up time, energy, other resources that are limited that you have. And so, yeah, you've got to kind of have a, a set goal of, of what it is you're actually looking for. Um, I so wish I had resold earlier in my life because it taught me so much about frugality mm. that most things are... If you want, you could probably find anything you want eventually at a garage sale or, you know, eventually if you wanted to wait, you could find almost anything okay. because people are just getting rid of it. And you'll, you'll see like somebody paid $400 for something. They literally throw it away when they donate it. Mm. Huh. Yep. You see this crazy thing. And then when I met, um, beat the bush, this gentleman that runs a YouTube channel on, on the fire movement. And like, he's like 35 and done work, done working. I, I had never heard of that. I'm like, you're done. He's like, I don't have to work anymore. I, I don't have to work anymore. I do, but I'm if I don't work anymore, my investments are more than my passive, my my actual income. So that made me think, how cheap can I live? How cheap could I run my store? Just as an experiment, and then it made me think that, you know, I learned how to change my own oil, and I'm like the person that says everything is a waste of time. Mm. Because I'm just curious, if I had to do everything myself, how cheap would my lifestyle be? And now I know, wow, I don't really need that much. So I can just focus on things that I want, which is like meeting interesting people, having some type of community. And I think that building an online store is like the coolest thing. So I, I, I respect the people who do the Shopify store. I just prefer people who are building a brand and a store. Versus like, I feel like the Instagram, TikTok movement is towards make as much money mm -hmm. delivering a little value as possible. Mm. Oh, it's a hundred percent. Yeah. That's how it feels. So my question is, Chris, you know, and again, we're not going to, I'm not going to five years from now, you know, Hey, have you on and go, Hey, Chris, like what happened? But yeah. you keep saying, you know, you've mentioned earlier, like all your money is being reinvested in eBay. So yeah. what, what does this look like for you in five years? Does this look at having multiple locations? Does this look like retiring and being done early? What, what does, what is the end game in this, Chris? Well, let's see. I'm 35. I think that by the time I'm 40, I will not have to work. Okay. And then the, the main reason for that is because I'm literally not spending any money. I learned how to cook all my meals at home. My total car expense is $100 a month, including insurance, everything. My, my, my nut is $900 a month. Mm. It's not that much. Right. So oh. obviously I'm newly married. So that costs a little bit of yeah. money, yeah. but she also works. But I'm looking at like, I just want to do things that I want on my own schedule. I think that like, um, I just don't want to be in a hurry. Hmm. I like building people. I think in five years from now, I, I don't actually want to be in my store at all. 
I want to be like, when I think of it like when I look at the owner of a nice re- restaurant chain, if you go to a, like a, a steakhouse or a local sandwich shop, I like it when the owner is there walking around asking customers, hey, did you have a good experience? Mm-hmm. How was your meal today? But they're not actually doing any of the work. Right. That's where I would like to be in five years. I want to own these entities that I can walk around and say, what's broken? What's awesome? My old boss that fired me when I worked at Lexus, he said, this is golden handcuffs. You're making great money, but you need to work for yourself. I wish you 10 years of horrible pain as an entrepreneur. And then you will graduate into what I am, which is a supremely happy person. So um, I thought this was always interesting because he has tons and tons of money, millions and millions and millions of dollars, but he still does things. He sets up businesses, goes in there. And this is the part that, that I would like to be. One time, this is, um, he, he'd been selling, owning car dealerships for about seven years. He had never taken longer than a two-week vacation. Mm. So he took a three-week vacation and came back and the store was bigger than when he left. Wow. So they said, not only were we able to maintain it, it runs, it grows when you're not here. (laughs) So he was like, okay. And then they're like, maybe you should just take the rest of the year off. Yeah. Permanent vacation. Because it's better for us, not in our way. And I feel like um, on my East Coast location, it's already kind of like that. They, if I were to go there, I'd probably be confusing them. Mm. They don't need me there. So you're saying people need to let go if they want to scale. That's one of the biggest... Like, like, well, I don't know. I define let go, Chris. Like, are you saying you need to let go and let things run on their own? And at to what level? I guess you need to make it clear what it is exactly that you want and just focus on the things that only you can do. This is easier said than done. But like, you know, the things that I can do is really like, I could, I can't have somebody else exercise my own body, right? I can't, um, I have to go do that. I have to make decisions on what suppliers I want to work with. Like I turned down this multi-million dollar supplier here who supplies a lot of the YouTubers that we watch. Mm. That supplier is like a 15 minute drive from me. He has millions of dollars of inventory. I will, I do not want to work with him because I, I don't want to hang out with this person. <laughs> it's not worth it. I remember he said to me, if you just use me as your supplier, you'll become a millionaire because that's how much stuff I have. And you're local. And I was, and I literally said, no, thanks. Cause wow. I don't want to hang out with this person. Mm. So like my mental health is worth more than just working with somebody and talking to them nonstop. And okay, let me back up. This is why in order to get the supplier, I have to essentially be this person's best friend. Mm. Nothing wrong with that. Okay. The problem with that is I already have, I'm already married. And I, I don't want another best friend. It's too much investment. Right. My best friend is like a lot of work. You yeah. got to like really yeah. put time into it. And I don't have time. This person was texting me more than my wife. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I get it. This is what it takes though. If you want a relationship like that, you've got to be so tight because you're essentially married with that person. Mm-hmm. The higher you move up in the chain in, in everything, it's all blood related. You got to like, it's all like the best jobs are never put out on the market. The best supplies are sold to people. If, if I knew, if I was in San Diego and I had a, a plug on something amazing, I would rather give it to you guys as somebody I don't know. Mm, yep. no, like, hey, you guys, I already know you. I already trust you. 
Come get the stuff every week. Our kids will play together. We'll go to dinner once on Friday. But I would want to be best friends with you. Chris, that's such a... I'm telling you from the education world, I 100% know what you're talking about. Because the the higher I moved up, the more it was like... I had to become friends with people I would never be friends with. Mike knows what I'm talking about. And so... It, yeah. it, that's one of the reasons I walked away because I couldn't, I walked away from that position yeah. of authority because two, I was two steps away from being ahead of, ahead of a school district, if, you know? Yeah. But I would have to, you know, kind of sell your soul to it. Well, I'm not saying that, but I would have, I would have to be different. Like I couldn't be Orlando. I would be Orlando who works for da 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 da, and I'd have to lockstep yeah. be what they wanted me to be. So I yep. hear that entrepreneur side of you, Chris. <laughs> and I think that it's when you think about the price you have to pay to get some certain level, that's what I, okay. Um, people on Instagram like to compare themselves with people. What I like to do is compare myself to what has happened before. So for example, I looked at a photo booth, okay, that costs 90 grand, okay? So I'm like, Why? There's ones you can get on Amazon for $35. Why is this one $90,000, right? It's because it literally does it for you. You put, you move an object into it, or you can even set it up so an auto, object automatically moves into it. Mm. It makes the light perfect. It's insane, right? It does the photo. Everything is done for you. There's that level of photo box. I looked up who, who uses it. There's a company named Zulily that uses this $90,000 machine to list 9,000 items a day. Wow. wow. Okay, that's the level of reselling that's possible. Right. So once you know that, you stop comparing yourself because who cares? Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Somebody's package pile, why would that make me feel bad when there's people selling like a hundred truckloads a day? Yeah. Like it's just, you know, I think that's important. That's when an people, excellent point. When people get hurt, because people get hurt, they compare themselves to somebody else and they feel bad about themselves. Their vision is too small. Stop looking at you and your friend. Mm. There's like, there's a billion, there's 7 billion people doing things that will blow your mind. There's like, if you think of Jeff Bezos is a reseller. <laughs> the richest man in the world does, yep. has the same job as us. Yep. So there's, there's levels. So I don't get, I don't get butt hurt when people are successful. I think that's some kind of weird thing that happened on social media. When for me, I'm like, Somebody's flexing a Lamborghini. There's there's people like Jerry Seinfeld. He has 900 cars <laughs> that he owns. This person rented one for two hours, and you're jealous of this person. Yeah, there's so many more people. So that's I think people that are listening to this need to think larger. Look at the people who do the most business. I interviewed PharmaPax. They're the largest e-commerce seller. They do three million a day on Amazon and maybe one million a day on eBay. And they're like a one or two year old eBay store. They're brand new to eBay. Um, so they told me, Chris, you want to know what the largest store in the world does? It's pretty <clears> straightforward. <throat> it's just what you guys do, but a bigger team. Eight of us put in 150 grand in. So, okay. They started with a million dollars. We started with 10 bucks. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just like a much higher thing. So when you look at the price to pay, you're like, oh, okay. And you don't, and you don't feel bad because it's like they started with them. They started where we might end our career. Mm. Yeah. So there's all these different kinds of people. And I feel like when I first started, um, 
YouTube, I've grown so much. I, I didn't know that there was that many people. That's why my emotions were so, so all over the place. You meet people, so many different people at the same time. You guys too with this podcast. It's like drinking from a firehouse. There's so many people, mm-hmm. so many comments, so much interaction. Um, but after a while, you start to realize, wow, anything's possible. And you just chill about it. And I, and you, I think I just want people to stop comparing themselves. Hopefully what you get out of this video from me is that there's somebody doing what you do. What you do in your whole life, someone is doing in one day. Wow. So don't, don't, don't trip. Don't trip. <laughs> Because, you know, it's so big. Yeah, no, that, that's gold. I mean, I, I kind of I mean, I've heard the phrase before, like, don't compare yourself. Don't compare yourself with somebody else. Compare yourself with who you were yesterday. Right. Like, because that's really the only yeah. measurement that counts is, you know, yeah. are you progressing towards the things you want to? And yeah, it was the moment you put somebody else in. And I love that perspective is everything. Right. Like you said, if you put if you look at the who all's in the world, you're never going to be the best at 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 anything, anything probably anything. and even yeah. if you were in the the one one millionth of a percentile that was the best at one thing then there's yep. millions of people who are better at pretty much everything else so yeah you're never you're never going to be uh that so that's a good perspective to have and i think that actually kind of answers one of the questions i'm going to ask but maybe you have something else uh different to, to to provide for this i always like to ask our guests if you uh if you had one piece of advice that you could give um, to our listeners, like uh, as a teacher, I love that I get to like impart knowledge uh, to students every day. And so I kind of feel like, all right, what, what do I need to tell these like young teenagers that will change their life? So if you have like an opportunity to tell somebody, maybe it's a, a young reseller, maybe it's somebody who's been reselling for a while, just whoever you want to think your target audience is, but just one piece of advice, uh, life advice that you live by that's, that could change their life. Okay. I love this question and I have an answer for it. Um, I, my advice would be you don't have to like it. All you have to do is get into the top 20% of something. Mm. So I know from reselling that the top 20% of resellers can list and sell more than 100 items a week. So you don't have to be the best of the best or world class or get too far ahead of yourself. The top 20%, I would consider you're a master of it. So 100 items a week is totally fathomable. You can look at it at 100 things in, in your closet and get an idea. Okay, this is what I would need to produce in a week. You don't have to sell in a category that you're passionate about. You don't. You just have to be good at this one concept of getting into the top 20% of YouTube or podcasts or eBay or Poshmark. Once you get to that level, now you have the skill to do any other platform that you want. Mm. You guys had asked earlier if I wanted to do Shopify. I'm confident I could. If I wanted to switch gears and, and sell um, ice coolers on Facebook ads, I could figure that out. right? Because I've already done it before. I've gotten to the top 20% of something. But I didn't get that advice ever in my life. Mm-hmm. All I got was do what you like or try to make money instead of try to be one of the best people in what you do. Mm. The money will just follow once you figure that out. People will... You're, you're also just when people watch you in your element and you're one of the better people in that industry, it is so cool to be around people like that. Mm. Finding people who are good at what they want to do is more important to me than they're passionate about it. That's good. Huh? Yeah. That reminds me of like the, uh, the dirty jobs guy, right? Like his whole thing is kind of, yeah, it's like the same thing. Like you don't have to, 
doesn't have to necessarily be your passion, but you know, work hard yeah. at something and, and you'll do, you'll do well. So yeah, I think that's amazing advice. And, uh, and I'd love to that just that idea. Cause a lot of people shoot for the 1%, right? Like they think I need to be yep. a top and elite and they burn out before they get there. They have unrealistic expectations, but 20% is much more feasible, right? Like you can get there. People yep. can get there with, I don't want to say minimal effort. Like it's going to take effort, but less effort than, than you might think more than you might be comfortable with. Right. <laughs> Almost every single industry, top 20% is 100K. Wow. Top 20% of a school district. Like they say teachers don't get paid, but the top 20% do. Mm. Oh, yeah. You, you find ways. Right? So you just got to, an average teacher doesn't get paid very much. An average reseller doesn't get paid very much. Getting to the top 20% is usually 100K, which I think people also don't know. Mm. It's not, it seems like out of reach, but almost everything now you can learn on YouTube for free. Mm-hmm. And you can teach yourself and slowly improve. So the advice, you know, the, in the, you guys had asked me before why I switched from 10K on the beta daily refinement, because I want to focus on improving myself every day. But you also need that goal of getting into the top 20%. Just improving yourself every day might be too slow. You might need to improve a lot every day to get yeah. to the top yeah. 20%. True. Thanks. Wow. All right. Hey, so... I want to, I want to break it. I want to make it, we've been really philosophical. I feel on this podcast. I don't, I don't think we've been yeah. so philosophical on any podcast ever. Like it's been great. It's been really good. Yep. So now I want to ask some practical. I want to talk about some failures and successes. Like some, all right. So talk to me, let, let's talk about your failures first. What are some of your top failures and what do you think you learned from them? Okay. So many failures. <laughs> um, the, the main, the, 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 what I would do is, Less but better. That's the theme of all my failures. Every time that I am in a hurry, things start to break down and it's not important. So this is my biggest failure. My failure is thinking that reselling is linear. So for example, I go to the thrift store and I find um, a typewriter. It's selling for a hundred bucks. They're only asking $8. This is a good idea because this is a profit, but a great idea would be not getting a typewriter and taking up space and get really good at one category like jackets. Because when you get really good at one category, you start to get efficiencies. You start to ship everything the same way. Storage becomes a lot easier when everything is uniform. Trying too many things is is a huge handicap. All of my mistakes come from me thinking I can make a quick buck mm. instead of this. Like I'm looking at, oh, this is $90 profit right now. Instead of taking my time and getting really good at one category. So all of my failures are related to that. Me um, starting all these different projects at the same time, um, me networking with way too many people, you know, me trying 10 different exercise regimens at the same time, just like one at a time, getting to the top 20%. You, you know, getting into the top 20%, I guarantee you will take 100% of your time. Mm. It's hard. Yeah. But doable. All right, so what? So I was looking for a practical one, but I, it makes sense. It makes okay. sense. It makes okay, sense. I'll go for I'll go for a, a more a more straightforward one. Okay. <laughs> my biggest mistake when I was starting was shipping things of of different sizes. So my new thing is I don't buy anything that I need to use any tape. Really, all of the ways that I ship are organized right here, and that's it. So when I go and buy things, it's easier because I just. Before I would ship anything, now I don't ship everything. It doesn't fit into one of the organized boxes that's provided by the post office. No go. I just wow. pass. 
Yeah. That, that no, that's that's golden. I mean, the the, the thing is, I I hundred percent see what you're talking about. I just did an Instagram story the other day with I have all these VCR DVD players, DVD recorders, and I'd rather list a jacket all day and make a hundred dollars net profit than waste my time. Or a lot, a lot of people like DM me like Orlando, there's so much money to be made in that, but it's just I'm yeah. not efficient in that. Like I I slow down. I slow down big time when it comes to that stuff because yep. I don't want to do. It really really good at something if you're too distracted yeah yeah that's oh. the thing because like a lawyer is not like also trying to become a pro swimmer it's hard mm. to be a lawyer you gotta like spend a lot of time to work on it and at the end of that you're expecting to be making six figures mm. if you're a reseller and you're focusing on selling um items let's say you're selling microphones and you're on Shopify, you're on Facebook, you're on eBay, you're on um, Mercari, trying to figure out how to rank the microphone that you found on AliExpress. That is a full-time job. Mm. But if you become one of the top 20% microphone sellers, guarantee you make six figures. They're so popular, Mm. especially now. Everyone has a podcast. Everyone's at home on Zoom. How many microphones are being sold right now? Millions. You just got to figure out how to become the great microphone salesman, which... I know what that would look like. You just go on the, okay, this is another huge mistake. Not learning from the top people in that category. Mm. Huh. Everyone that's good at reselling is on these sites. You can just look at their user ID and you can just ask yourself the question. They're selling it for $90. How did they get it? Start poking around. Where is this made? Okay, call the manufacturer. What if I order 10,000 of them? Even if you're not going to order, mm-hmm. find out what the cost is on 10,000 of them. Now you know. Yeah. Everyone's going to take that call. If you want to place an order yeah. of 10,000, find out how much it actually costs. Wow. No, it's it's very true. It's it's so true because I I I I you know, I remember hesitating because you had one one time you called to like garage sale stores and I remember I was like, "Well, I have a garage sale store." But the reality is, if you want to be efficient, it's hard to sell everything. It's just, it, I, I think yeah. it, to scale, I think, I'm not saying it's impossible. It may, it may be possible, but I, it takes a major hustle if you're just picking up any, like that typewriter, that $8 typewriter, right? I've had people, yeah. when I've sold a typewriter before, I've had people DM me and go, yeah, Orlando, I got these two typewriters and then I went to a store and saw how much it was going to cost to fix. Then I tried to fix it myself. And before I was, you know, before I even listed, I already had spent six hours and I could have easily picked up 10 other items at the store and made that money back in those six hours that I lost trying to work with those typewriters. So very, very true. So I'm going to give you one more example. Okay. I think the most talented person in almost every single organization is the receptionist. Okay, because they they know every single person that works at the company. <laughs> There's all these inputs coming in, all these people trying to sell different people in the company some kind of product. They know everything about everyone. They know exactly how the company works. You could ask the reception the receptionist who is key to this company, and they would know. Mm. If this person leaves, the company will be bad, right? Mm. But the receptionist is almost the lowest paid person at the company. But they know the most. <laughs> so that's how I look at reselling. I know so much about stuff that does not pay me anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. better. To, I, I would almost rather just know two things really well. And you know what I mean? Like 
it's like it's so odd that the person that knows the most often has the lowest paycheck. Yeah. Oh, it's true. It's That's true. odd. All right. What about, what about successes? What would you say have been a couple of successes you've had? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> My biggest success is just being a better human. Like after reselling and realizing that what you're trying to do is just provide the best listing you can with what you have. Right. And I think that for me doing the best that I can, I can't beat myself up for that. I didn't realize that when I first started reselling, I was always like, Oh, there's this potential or this or that. And just really just think about what you can do in a day. If you can do the best with that, then you, then you're okay. So that's how I look at my time with listing. If I only have two hours to list, I list as many as I can in two hours. I don't think, Oh, I didn't do 10 today and then beat myself up. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work that way. Give yourself a time slot of how much time you can work on something, do the best you can, and then actually take a break. Mm. Um, also a success was during this situation, the storage unit that I'm in limited their hours. So they just barely reopened the hours. But be when they limited their hours, I made the same amount of money in less time. That's my best success idea <laughs> ever. Nice. Limit the amount of time that you work on something and you'll, feel, you'll, you'll just be more efficient and get it done. Right. So if you want your goals, your 10-year goals, if you want to do it in five years, just write down what you have to do differently. For me, the, the greatest success has been consistently journaling. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sort of aware of where I'm at and what I can actually do in a day because I'm writing it down. Oh, oh that's great. All right. We have one more question for you, Chris. So <clears throat> we've been through a pandemic and I think it's been a given. I would say for the most part, like reselling, I, I find that reselling has been, I don't want to say the easiest, but I've never known of a time where as long as you did the research, you pretty much, you could sell pretty anything that you found, not anything, but a lot of stuff. And I, I think we're in this very interesting time right now that there's going to be a lot of people that gave up on reselling probably in the early pandemic, which opened the doors for other people to come in. And then those people that came in, they, they're experiencing something that other resellers haven't. Like I've, I've been doing this for eight years and it's been, <laughs> it's been obnoxious. Like the, I can source pretty much anything, do the research, list it, and I'll be able to sell it within a month. But my question is, where do you see, where do you see reselling? Do you think this is a continued state for five years or do you, do you think that we're kind of in a, just in a phase? Where do you, where do you see reselling going here? I see that everyone in this world is going to have less stuff, but better stuff. Mm. I see reselling as being very, very, very strong. So I committed um, eight years, or I'm sorry, eight days ago, I committed to doing reselling for 10 years. Huh. That's how much I enjoy this. So I think it's only going to get better the next 10 years because people are going to be doing more stuff at home. People are going to be more creative and do. Um, so you know how I mentioned earlier that you should get into the top 20%. Mm -hmm. Most people are not going to do that. Right. What they're going to do is pick eight things they like and do eight of them so-so. So as a reseller, we're now catering to people who have, um, what is this called? Like, it's kind of like a melting pot, melting pot people who do a little bit of everything. Mm. And that means you're going to be at home with fewer things, but better things. So thrifting, reusing, plus all these people that this, the stuff is always going to be there because retail stores are always going to go out of business. People are always going to pass away or move. So during that transition, the goods will be distributed. This is never going away. 
ever. People mm. are going to want, people are more minimalist now, so they're more picky. So I feel like as a reseller, the trend needs to be get really good at finding higher quality stuff. I would count that as a category. Mm. You go to the thrift store and look for good quality items, good quality clothing, good quality shoes, good quality anything. That's solid because people are looking for that kind of stuff. Wow. No one's like, I can't sell any of this Patagonia. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like yeah. these stuff that lasts really long time and it's good. Okay. That's, that, good. that's encouraging good. to hear, but yeah. it, it makes sense. It makes sense in this, in the fact that we are, yeah, definitely. It, this has caused a lot of minimalism more than I've seen before. And it's strange because at the same time, Chris, you see, you know, like I, I think of like people that sell wrap tees or like expensive t-shirts that are vintage. Like you wouldn't think that people would still be dropping 500,000, $2,000 on t-shirts, but it's they still are. happening. And it's happening. Millionaires. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's happening oh. because of it's exactly that is that people are honing in more on what they want to get and resellers are bringing that to the table. So that's great. Well, Chris, do us a favor, uh, let all of our listeners know again uh, where they can find you, ways they can connect with you, uh, and uh, maybe uh, some of the things that you're doing that they can plug in at. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for listening so far. I do have one more tip. Okay. Because I want this to be as useful as possible, and I wish I had known this when I started. Um, If you can save six grand a month, this is a lot of money. Mm. Okay. But this is what I'm talking about as far as like the top 20% of something. If you can save six grand a month, it's a million dollars in 10 years of you investing. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that that's like something that you can aim towards. If you're living relatively frugally and you get into the top 20% of your category, just know that saving six grand a month is possible for people who are really good at their job. And over the course of 10 years, you become a millionaire. That's very encouraging to me. It's not like you don't need to make mil- crazy amounts of money. Six grand a month is a lot of money. It's a lot, but it's it's a number that people can actually touch on. So I wish I had known that in the beginning that you don't need this massive, huge business with a hundred employees. You don't. You can actually become a millionaire in ten years with just a regular job. Mm. If you had chosen that job, Orlando, you would have had to pretend to be somebody else, but not longer than a decade. Yeah, true. It's true. Then you would be done. So that's the thought there. So where can people find me? Um, Daily refinement on all handles: um, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, the podcast that I'm on is called A Reseller's Life. And you guys can always reach out to me to chris at dailyrefinement.com. I've been really good about answering emails lately. So reach out to me anytime. All right. Oh. Hey, Chris, really appreciate you being on the podcast. <laughs> it was it was a great takeaway for us. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure our listeners grabbed a whole bunch of incredible ideas to implement that were practical. So thank you so much, Chris. Glad we finally had you on and, and definitely looking forward to having you on in the future. So, uh, Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. And hey, with that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant, and be reselling. Please. Please.